0: Why would anyone oppose the worship of God? That's the question we're discussing today on The Hero of the Story, presented by The Gospel Project. <music> Thanks for joining us for today's episode of The Hero of the Story, a podcast to help you focus on the gospel in every area of your life and ministry. I'm Aaron Armstrong, brand manager of The Gospel Project, and with me, as always, is Brian Dembozik, our managing editor. So, Brian, today we are
1: uh, turning to a another book that you know i think people people skip a lot yeah it's another smaller one and, and not as familiar and and it's one that i i struggle with the name i got haggai in my head at some point point. Mm-hmm. and so i might slip and refer to it as haggai instead of haggai right and is it haggai i yeah i think it's haggai it could be but i what got it in my head what if it's Hag-I. chuck it, let's yeah chuck can <laughs> yeah, imagine what right. the that Bible right. events happen today with with modern names. It's like here's Jeff. <laughs> oh goodness, I'll open up Jeff to the, book the of prophet. Jeff. Yeah. No, that's not that the same. No,
0: no. Um, he would go by Jeffrey or Geoffrey. Um, yeah, 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 it would be at least with the G. Yes, yes. If you start your name with if you're a Jeff listening to the show and you start with a G. Um, Please take that in the spirit
1: that it's meant. <laughs> yes. That, this is coming from Brian with an I who has great animosity toward those Brian with a Y people. And this is um, an Aaron who,
0: who is spelled like Moses' brother um, <laughs> who often gets some pretty bizarre spellings at coffee shops. So um, that yeah, you, said, usually, you get E-R-I-N at times, don't you? I sure do. I, I get have. E-R-I-N. I get Eric's. I get um, – I got like Enron once. Enron. It was really weird.
1: <laughs> um, so anyway. you know, you know, I get, I get brain, mm. which I always take as a compliment. Well, brain, what are we doing today? <laughs> I, well, let's talk about a book of the Bible.
0: All right. So, um, you mean we're not going to take over the world?
1: No, we're not. Okay,
0: great. Um, so we are talking about the book of Haggai, um, and we are going to see. Um, God lead his people to complete the building of the temple in Jerusalem. This was a project that the people began when they returned to Jerusalem after yeah. their exile. Um, but then they stopped for a while.
1: Yeah. So they, they started and got the foundation laid. Yes. And then basically it got shelved for 16 years. 16 years. 16 years just, My just sitting goodness. there. So, so let's let's kind of – summarize where we are sure leading up to this book sure um and a lot of this is concurrent if you listen to uh, our prior episode of the early part of ezra this is happening about that same time they're, right they're concurrent basically And essentially th- the next episode is is all interrelated as well yeah zechariah uh, nehemiah of course is going to be in there in the mix as well yep. so all these they're happening about the same time of the people mm-hmm. returning so let me just kind of yeah. reset the stage yes um we know that the persian king cyrus defeated babylon and then in 538 he issued a decree that allowed for the exiles to return home and we saw that in ezra one yes makes that decree and at that time not all of the captives but a, a large number of them about 40 something thousand return back to judah And that's where they begin to rebuild the temple that we talked about. You read about this in Ezra 1, 1 through 3, or chapters 1 through 3 primarily. Mm -hmm. But then uh, what happens is as they are building, they lay this foundation and so forth, and the nations around them, the peoples around them start to really press in and pressure them to stop, uh, and they actually bring them to stopping the work yeah. again which, and it laid dormant for 16 entire years yep and really this could be thought of as a time of, of deep discouragement you think about an israelite you have just returned back to the land of promise you've been in exile mm-hmm. there's so much hope expectation you, you lay this foundation and then it stops and then you're getting all of this Uh, this tension coming at you from the people around. And every day you walk, you know, go get water or whatever. And you walk by this foundation just sitting it, you know, sitting there. Yeah. So deeply discouraging time, uh, a frustrating time. Uh, The walls weren't rebuilt still. So it's just in this period of half repair. So you're back in the land, but it's nowhere near where it needs to be. Yeah. So it didn't seem like there's any way to get it done. Everything just seems stuck. But then later, King Darius comes on the scene, and in 520, so you're looking at about 18 years after the first edict to allow people to return home. Mm-hmm. In 520, he uh, he during his reign, Haggai is told by God to stir the people to finish the temple. Yep, and that's basically the story of Haggai. Uh, he goes before the people, says, hey, we, we've got to rebuild this thing. Yep. They start, and then they start getting more opposition. But then a great thing, you read about this in the book, a great thing happens um, where uh, they are challenged, God's people are challenged, do you have a right to rebuild this? So they send word back to Darius to find out. He searches through the records and finds out, yeah, it's allowed, and actually funds the rebuilding, the rebuilding, and yeah. you read about that in Ezra as well. So, just yep. a, a great kind of setting here for what's going on. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, so yeah, it is. An,
0: it's an interesting thing how there is um, this this command. There's there's hope in that, and I mean, you know, we we also remember that in in Ezra when they they laid the foundation and they, uh, Zerubbabel, the uh, the governor at the time, and. Um, the, and Joshua, who was the high priest, they, and they, they come into this story a lot as well and play really key roles, particularly, uh, particularly Joshua actually, um, as we look toward Jesus, but that's getting ahead of ourselves. Um, but there was both rejoicing and lament because this, this temple that was, was temple foundation that was built, not even the not even the full temple but just the the starting point was not even close to the splendor of the of the one that solomon built and so those who were in the crowd who were still old enough to and were who were alive when that temple still existed um all wailed with sorrow and um and so you see you see these these two things happening like mixing together all throughout, throughout this narrative. And, and that's something that is really important, which leads us to to some of the questions that we should be asking when we are reading and studying um, Haggai um, and re- and like the middle portion of Ezra as well. Yeah. So um,
1: Brian, why don't you kick us off with the first one? Yeah, I think one of the, the basic questions we've already, we let off the episode with is why would anyone oppose the rebuilding of the temple? Right. You why know, would
0: anyone oppose God's people, yeah, worshiping, God's people
1: God. worshiping and so forth? and And I think we we have two different ways to take and answering that. The yes. first one is um, the first one is a little bit more deep. The second one is a little bit more practical. Yeah. The deeper one, for lack of a better word, is it's simply the hardness of people's hearts. Yeah. We are sinners by nature. We rebel against God by nature. Um, it is not an anomaly for us to resist God. It's yeah. in our nature. Right. It is unnatural when we don't, and that only happens because of the work of the Holy Spirit in us, mm-hmm. because of the change wrought by the gospel. That's the only reason why we delight in God. Right. And so it should not surprise us to see ungodly people, pagan people, pressing in and opposing what God is is doing and what God's people are doing. That should not surprise us. No. But practically, we also have to think about this way, a lot of these people— would remember when the people of Israel before this were in the land and were dominant. Mm -hmm. A lot of these people were, were subjugated by Israel. They were defeated when, I mean, you go way back to when the children of God first entered into the land under a different Joshua and they cleared out. I mean, they just won victory after victory and, and God was at work through them. And you just look through their history while they had rough spots, of course, they were a dominant people in that area, mm-hmm. apart from your outsiders like Assyria, Babylon, Egypt. Yeah. So from those people in that land, they, they were the big kid, so to, so to speak. And so a lot of these other people were probably saying, wait a minute. Do what we, happens if they yeah, become we, that again? Yeah. Do we really want them to come? I mean, it was OK without them here. We, we, we had a little bit more clout.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We might lose that. So I think a lot of it may also be that practical uh, we, we this is a threat
0: yeah yeah absolutely And so another question that we should be asking is were the people right to stop building the temple for 16 years and that that's both an easy and challenging question um, because I mean we we have to we have to be honest there there was a real threat to these people they were legitimately scared these were people who were coming out of a significant, season of being subjugated themselves yeah and so no doubt there would have been fear that it's like what happens if they come back and they enslave us again so i can understand why they would have would have stopped for stopped um even stopping for 16 years because that threat was real but that doesn't mean that they should have yeah um in fact they still should not have because um they were commanded by God to do this. Um, he call and in fact we see in the Haggai Haggai chapter one, we see God calling out Israel for their misplaced priorities because in that time, although the wall was still was still not repaired, although the city as a whole was still more or less in ruins, they had set about building their houses and exactly. their own houses in that time. And the the temple was unfinished um and so they were they were not living with right priorities. they were not putting God first in um in their hearts, their minds, their affections, um, and in their behaviors as yeah. well. And that should be that should be something that that should challenge us as we yeah. as anytime we read this this account. Um, and there's also just the reality that um following Jesus, um, obeying God, living for God, whatever language you want to use, that always comes with risks. That means that we're going to – we should live in a way that makes – that looks a little bit off from the rest of the world and that it um, – not that we should be being belligerent or anything like that, yeah. but that because we're called to, to as much as depends on us, live at peace with everyone um, and to live quiet lives. Um, and, but our lives should be noticeably different from those of other people. And so if we worship God, it should look like it.
1: Um, and so that is going to put us in opposition with other people. Definitely. Okay. I think a third question, and again, this is a, a question that's kind of you know, right there, obvious, but I think we have to say, ask it is what was the significance of the temple being rebuilt? Um, And especially when you read Haggai, you read that God promises that greater glory is to come. And in other words, the the temple that they were rebuilding would not be the greatest glory. There is a greater glory. And we'll talk about this in a minute. But so why, why would God be concerned about them rebuilding a temple that seemed at least temporary? Mm -hmm. Um, and, and the answer, and we, we've hit on this some before, but the temple was in part evidence of God's desire to be with his people, to dwell with his people. It was the place where they 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 could worship him. They, they mm-hmm. needed the temple to worship him properly. They needed that temple to perform sacrifice and so yeah. forth. Um, but as we're going to discuss in a minute, we have to recognize that the temple was not the greatest glory. There was a greater glory coming. That's going to be Jesus. Yep. Um, And so in a way, this temple is a place filler leading us up to his arrival. Yeah. An important one at at that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And one that he himself would go to. Exactly. He, he, He needed to be fully obedient. Yeah. So the temple's existence lent itself for that as
0: well yeah absolutely and so all of that leads us to our big question of how does this point us to Jesus and that's what that's the key question that we should always be asking when we are studying scripture um, and there's a couple of ways that we see at least um, in this one the first is that we are reminded of God's desire to dwell with his people um remember um, as you as you read Haggai in particular remember that God describes this as his house. And he's saying, well, you've rebuilt yours, but you've, but you've left mine in ruins. Um, what's up with that? Shouldn't you, shouldn't, shouldn't I have a home too with yeah. you? Um, it speaks to his desire to, to be with his people. And this is what prompted uh, first, the building of the tabernacle um, in the, in the Exodus while right. they're in the wandering in the desert. And, um, um, and then, then led to Solomon's temple as well, um, and God's God's presence was in the temple,
1: and that was where He dwelled with His people. Yeah, and that's such an important theme. I mean, it goes all the way back to Genesis, where we read of God walking with Adam and Eve in the garden. Yes, that God condescended; He came down to be with them. It's the heartbeat of God. He wants to be with His people, right. and you see it over and over right. again. And
0: we see it, and we see it in jesus we see exactly it in the coming culminates of the whole, in right culmination well in one sense yes culminates in jesus in then and then continues on with the coming of the holy spirit as the helper who dwells within god's people and then ultimately is fulfilled with the new creation where where god, where god lives with his people in the new jerusalem when jesus returns when jesus returns that's right <laughs> so we're, we're both we're still both right yeah we are yeah that's right and we're both wrong in so many other ways oh absolutely probably even on some of the things we just said but that's yeah, okay it could be all right so um let's think about so so that's this that's this piece here um
1: yeah, and yeah. and it takes us to what I said a minute ago. This promise of something yeah. of greater glory to come. Of course, that's that's looking toward Jesus. Yeah, that the temple was not designed to be the ultimate way that God would dwell with His people. It would be in the person of Jesus who would come and provide for salvation mm-hmm. and forgiveness of sin through His life, death, and resurrection. And so, really, uh, the temple is this brilliant beacon this beautiful beacon pointing us toward what jesus would accomplish which is why i would believe that the temple is in ruins today mm-hmm. um you know i in 70 a.d rome came and they destroyed the temple mm-hmm. and it has been destroyed ever since yep it's uh, never been rebuilt never been rebuilt and actually right now the dome of the rock is right where the temple should be standing mm-hmm. so the likelihood of being rebuilt is very slim mm-hmm. uh, because of of those religious tensions and so forth. Yeah, I believe God's providence is all over this. Mm-hmm. I, I don't believe that happened apart from him. I believe it's what he desires because there is no longer a need for a physical temple because we know that God, that Jesus came to tabernacle with us and he mm-hmm. dwell and dwells us and uh, and furthermore, it removes right. the opportunity for, sacrifice to be made right because the sacrifice in jesus has been made right so in many ways i believe that there is no longer a physical temple today just further accentuates this greater Mm -hmm. glory in jesus that that we read of here in haggai
0: yeah and um just as a as a side note when and this this connects a little bit with with where we're going next in our discussion but um this reality that that the sacrificial system has been fulfilled. The need for the temple has been fulfilled because of Christ. Um, That can lead to a really, a really good discussion with um, members of the Jewish community in, um, in our, our cities, our states, our countries, um, wherever we are. Um, Because historically, jewish worship was centered around the temple and it was centered around the sacrificial system that's something that hasn't been possible since 70 a.d so for nearly two thousand years so 950 years if we want to get precise because we're in 2020 now um so but since that time um how many 1950 1950. i can't do math this is why it's hard Math is hard, guys. I write things for a living. I don't do math. So, one thousand nine hundred and fifty years since the temple was destroyed, give or take, um, and give or take a give or take a millennia. It's fine. Um, <laughs> that's right. That's <laughs> a thousand <laughs> anyway, years. Anyway, It's uh, like a, one day to a, God? What's a thousand years between friends? It's, that's right. That's right. right. So. Um, <laughs> So, so think about that for a second. for For nearly two thousand years, they have they have been unable to actually worship according to the way that it is prescribed in the Old Testament. Um, And that's a significant issue, and that's why. And so, there's been significant modifications to their beliefs and practices over the last over the last two thousand years. And so. Um, so but it is but it's a challenging point. yes and and you can do so respectfully and humbly, and lovingly, and say, yeah exactly. and and just say, so what do you do? Like and it's a great question. You, you sacrifice was at the center of Jewish worship.
1: but you're not able to sacrifice. yeah. What do you do? And it, it's the great opportunity, of course, to introduce the concept of maybe because God is no longer about you sacrificing, but the sacrifice he made exactly. in Christ. And it's this great, you know, yeah. what if right. Jesus is the Messiah? Right. What if his sacrifice was what all those sacrifices pointed toward? Looking at the book of Hebrews, for example, and uh, really able to, to encourage somebody to, to think deeply about yeah, why. Yeah. Now that leads us
0: to um, to our last discussion point, which is thinking about this book, thinking about Haggai in particular uh, from the perspective of a group leader, an adult group leader, so a Sunday, um, Sunday school teacher, small group leader. Um, what have you? Kids ministry worker, student ministry volunteer, um, one-on-one disciple, family discussion, whatever, whatever context you find yourself in. Uh, what kind of guidance can we
1: offer in working through this passage with someone else? Well, I think the first is what we were just talking about: appreciating God's providence. Yeah, you, you see it in this book in general with this idea of Jesus tabernacling with us, as we've talked about. Yeah, but don't miss it in that beautiful detail of a pagan nation footing the bill for the building of mm-hmm. the, the temple. If that's not God's hand, if it's so evident, I don't know what is. I, quick story, in, in light especially of us talking about uh, Jews and, and how we can encourage them to consider Jesus through the temple no longer existing. Mm-hmm. Um, I worked in college, right after college, I worked as a writer in a firm that was owned by a Jewish man. Hmm. And when I joined staff with Crusade, Campus Crusade for Christ back in that day, I had to raise support to go to training. When I told him I was leaving and going to staff training, he asked me to stay and work for six more months and he would pay for me to go to training. So this Jewish man paid $5,000 for me to go (laughs) get trained to tell people about Jesus, the Messiah. Wow. There you that, go. That's God's hand in the Absolutely. middle. It's, it's my version of what happened here. Yeah, that's good. That's good. God, I like God's that. providence.
0: There you go. Um, another thing that we should do is we should consider how um,
1: – um, you've got bear here. Is that right? Yeah, how we bear Christ. How we, how we share maybe? No, bear yeah. is the right okay. word, but okay. you can use, use whatever okay. word works.
0: All right. So another thing that we should do is, is we should consider um, really how we um, we show how we demonstrate the love of Christ um, to the watching world. And so think about at Solomon's dedication of the first temple, it was really clear that the temple was not just for Israel. It was to show uh, um, show God to the watching world to and show what being God's people meant um, and to invite the world to become part of the god's people as well um and so that's what we're did and so we're to continue to do that we're we are to be um you know uh the light of the world a city on a hill all of these all of these um these metaphors that we see throughout the new testament that jesus um puts on his people (laughs) um appropriately so and um and so we need to consider how are we how are we displaying the love of Christ? How are we yep. showing, showing and sharing Jesus with the world around us? And what and what impression are they getting of Him because of us? And this is where um, I know that you and I are both very uh, very passionate about this. That um, there's a really strong need for unity among God's people, and um, and it's been actually something that's really concerning and frustrating to me personally as I watch the dis- the the rhetoric that goes around in various conversations around hot topic issues um, of various sorts and kinds um, just look on Twitter if you want to see examples um, when you see these things it is it's it's very disheartening because yeah. what we're called to is, is we're called to believe the best about one another we we are we are absolutely commanded to be um, rigorous in our defense of the gospel and to and to hold firmly to um, what is essential to the christian faith but and and to defend those things without question but a lot of that but but we need we need to have those be our start our center point and if we can and if we all agree on those things it changes the discussion that we have with uh, with other people. I mean, this is um, this is that whole idea of um, gospel centered disagreement. Yep. <laughs> um, and we've got a video about that that uh, um, that we released a, a couple of years ago
1: that uh, we can we can throw on the show notes as well. So, yeah. And I think what you're saying is is absolutely true, Aaron. And, and, and there is a place for us to even debate about some of these secondary and tertiary issues that, that we need to be doing. That. It's how yes. iron sharpens iron. My concern is we don't do it in the right way. Yes. As you say, we don't think the best. We think the worst of others and we attack and, and we try to to win arguments instead of growing in our understanding of, of the gospel. And, and and so there's a right way and there's definitely a wrong way. And usually we see the wrong way of, of people engaging in these conversations. It's not a family discussion. Yeah, it, it it's it's war at right. times. And it's it's it is not honoring to to the cause of Christ. No, no. And so we need to do better. That's right. With God's help. So I think the third thing that we need to consider uh, in light of this, and and it kind of riffs off what you just said, uh, we need to consider our priorities and our willingness to risk or even be inconvenienced for the gospel. Mm. Um, You know, when we think about bearing Christ to the watching world and we think about all we're, we're just talking about, that's what Haggai, the prophet, condemned the Israelites in that day for, that they were not willing to risk yes it would have been a risk to continue building the temple but they weren't willing to risk it and I think that's we we can fault them for that just like we need to fault ourselves and and confess our own inability to do that because I think honestly many of us don't have to worry about what we risk for the gospel I think we have to worry about what we inconvenience first because we're not even willing to do that hmm and uh, and so I think a similar message needs to be proclaimed over our hearts um, of how serious do we take God? How seriously do we take the gospel? Are we willing to uh, to sacrifice everything mm. for His kingdom? And uh, and if not, why? And so I I think there's one takeaway there as well about priorities in our lives. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Brian, I think that's a good place for us to wrap up this
0: discussion. Um, So, listeners, thanks for uh, tuning in for today's episode of the the podcast. If you enjoyed it, please leave a sincere five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or on whatever platform you use to listen to the show. And for more resources to help you focus your ministry on the gospel, please visit gospelproject.com.